Oh boy, it is the weekend. We're so super excited, and we're also excited to have the one and only Peter Jason come on the show. This guy is such a legend. I mean, he worked with legends such as like Orson Welles. Yeah, like, man. I mean, I can only imagine what that experience was like. And we're going to get a little bit of that in our interview today. I'm so pumped for the up and comers to hear this one. Hell yeah. You guys are definitely not going to want to miss the advice that this guy lays down about how to handle the industry and the changes in the industry. Definitely don't want to miss that. And and oh my gosh, Memorial Day weekend, and what a week and weekend it has been. I don't know about you, but new th- uh, uh, Thor trailer, we got Top Gun Maverick soaring high at the box office, we got uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, we got Stranger Things, like so much epic shit happened this week, I'm like a nerd in heaven right now. It's a great time for pop culture, <laughs> but man oh man, it's going to be a crazy show, that's a little bit later, now let's get a little crazy. What's up, guys? It is episode 196 of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Holy moly, you know your host with the most, myself, JLo Fantastic, and the one and only Mouse. What's up? Man, oh man, there's so much to talk Woo! about today. We have a whole bunch of Star Wars news. We got some Marvel news. Of course, we got Warner Brothers news. And man, oh man, you guys know we've been talking about, you know, the heads of these media conglomerates, mm. like, kind of attacking their creators, I must say. <laughs> well, David Zasloff of Warner Brothers Discovery. Is attacking the one and only J.J. Abrams. Mm. I don't know what we're talking about. We'll dive deep into that a little bit later. But before we get this thing started, be sure to head over to our website, www.crazyantmedia.com, where you can start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. We got shirts, we got hats, we got everything for you. And also on our yes. website, right here, right now, be sure to go there so you can start to watch our film, Deadlines. Yes. It will send you a link to Vimeo where you can create an account and finally be able to rent and or buy this amazing piece oh my gosh yeah the deadlines page is has been updated it's got pictures from our red carpet premiere it's obviously got pictures from the set and like JLo said it's got the uh, trailer and you just click it's so easy you just click on the trailer there's a little icon up in the corner takes you right to the spot to where you can rent or buy your copy watch the whole film Uh, We're already getting people doing that. Thank you so much. That's awesome. And we can't wait to have all of you buy and or rent it and join the conversation for what this film starts, man. It's so important. It really is. It really is. But we have some somber news to start Mm -hmm. off the industry news with legendary actor Ray Liotta. He tragically passed away this past week, uh, whose career uh, came out in a breakout role, of course, in 1990s Martin Scorsese's crime classic, of course, Goodfellas. After co-starring in Field of Dreams, he has passed away at the age of 67. Now, he did die in his sleep in the Dominican Republic, where he was shooting a new film, Dangerous Waters. Leota leaves behind a daughter, Kirsten, and is he was also engaged to be married to J.C. Nereto. Um, so it's it's a very tragic thing, and I mean, it was very unexpected. Yeah, yeah. Um, his fiance was with him, uh, so and just days, you know, before was taking pictures with fans and seemed very happy and 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 seemed very lively. Um, 
nothing yet from the autopsy. We're hoping that it was natural causes. And when I say natural causes, when you pass away in your sleep and you're not really old, there's clearly some underlying health things there, which I think we're going to find out maybe heart related. I don't know, but it is definitely a tragic loss. He was on such the resurgence with his career. I mean, if you look at IMDb, he had so much stuff coming up that he was currently filming or, I mean, it's sad when you start to see this, this legendary actor, like you said, have this great resurgence and have it cut short. It's just, it's sad. Agreed. All right, let's jump over to Disney, and holy shit, we have a lot of Disney news for you. Marvel, Star Wars, all kinds of shit. But let's get started with, of course, Marvel Studios, the the bread and butter for Disney. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness has, of course, towered over the box office charts for the past three weekends, adding another $31.6 million from 4,534 theaters this past weekend. Now, to date, Doctor Strange has generated more than $800 million at the global box office. And if it's able to sustain even a small amount of momentum, Top Gun might make that problematic. We're here and it's going to come in number two to Top Gun. But if it can maintain just a little momentum, the superhero adventure could become only the second movie in COVID times to cross $1 billion at the box office after... Yes, another Marvel movie, Spider-Man No Way Home. We'll see how it holds up this weekend. Like I said, Top Gun Maverick is expected to take the top spot, but we'll see. Exactly. There's a lot of different stuff going down right now. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure everybody saw this past week the new (laughs) Thor Love and Thunder trailer. Maybe saw too much. They saw that ass. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, But, of course, you guys know the trailer dropped during the Game 4 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Go Celtics revealing a first look at Christian Bale in this film as Gore the God Butcher. Yes. Now, Taika Waititi directed Marvel film is the sequel of obviously 2017's Thor Ragnarok and Mark Thor's uh, return to the Marvel Cinematic Universe following Avengers Endgame back in 2019. Now, of course, starring Chris Hemsworth in his title role, of course. It also stars uh, Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie, Chris Pratt as Star-Lord, and uh, Watiti as Korg, and Natalie Portman as Jane Foster, of course, respectively. Uh, in her first appearance in the MCU since 2013 yeah, wow. uh, during Thor The Dark World, uh, following the fall of Asgard and the events of Endgame, Thor attempts to find his inner peace, but is hindered by the threat of Gore extinguishing all of the gods. Mm. Now, Thor enlists uh, the help of Korg, uh, Valkyrie, and Foster in his mission to team up with the Guardians of the Galaxy to defeat, obviously, the God Butcher. Mm -hmm. Uh, Natalie Portman, also revealed in the film, will show Jane Foster battling cancer in her human form while simultaneously wields, um, obviously, the hammer. Um, now Thor Love and Thunder hits theaters July 8th, so be sure to mark your calendars on that, and I'm sure Paramount is taking a hard look on how many weekends Top Gun is going to be number one. <laughs> exactly. So much to do. We didn't even mention Russell Crowe is Zeus. Because he's killing all the gods, not just the Norse gods, but the Greek gods too. So he appears as Zeus, which is awesome. He's the one who strips Thor, if you haven't seen the trailer. Um, But uh, what I found most interesting about that is that they are going to go the cancer route storyline, which Natalie Portman hinted at a couple years ago, but now, I guess, officially confirmed. And that she's going to be bedridden with cancer while being Thor. Mm. So I don't know how they're going to do that, but that's going to be interesting. And I'm super excited for this film. I, I really am. All right, now, Disney and Lucasfilm ahead of 
everything going on with Marvel, had their Star Wars celebration in Han- Anaheim, California this week. During the presentation, there was a whole lot of television series news, but announcements for the franchise feature film landscape was about as bleak as the sands of Tatooine. <laughs> so <laughs> let's get into it. First and foremost, Obi-Wan Kenobi is back. I'm sure you guys like us have already dove into that. Ewan McGregor, of course, has reprised his role as Jedi Knight alongside Hayden Christensen, who returned to his legendary role as Anakin slash Darth Vader. And we do see him, no spoilers, but we do see him. The new six-episode series, which also stars Moses Ingram and Rupert Friend, premiered, of course, this Friday. Limited series is, of course, streaming on Disney Plus exclusively so if you don't have it you have to sign up for a subscription in order to catch all of the episodes episodes as they debut now a regular subscription though does and this is the good news it does allow access to the entire season in addition to if you're a star wars fan every star wars movie and show ever made such as the mandalorian and the book of boba fett so is it worth 7.99 fuck yes yeah exactly i mean (laughs) disney plus has so much to offer and also they have added a warning to Mm. the page of obi-wan kenobi that shows some viewers may find certain scenes in the star wars series a little upsetting the warning appeared to be in a response of the mass shooting, obviously, earlier this week at an elementary school in uh, Texas that left 19 children dead. So they just want to be as respectful as possible um, in the wake of all of that with it being a violent show. So it just makes sense. It does. It kind of shows like um, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but it does involve a couple scenes with children and maybe not such good ways um so it makes sense that they that they put that warning on there okay so now last week remember we told you that john watts had said goodbye to superhero films for a little while he wants to take a break but not to panic because he was staying with disney and he was creating a new star wars series for disney plus remember well this week we can tell you that the series will be called skeleton crew and that Jude Law is going to be starring in it. That's freaking awesome. Now, as we've said, Skeleton Crew will take place during the post-Return of the Jedi reconstruction that fouls the fall of the Empire, meaning it's in the same time frame as The Mandalorian. Any other plot details remain a secret right now? So will he show up in Mandalorian? Will they cross over? Eh, We don't know, but we'll keep you up. For sure, for (laughs) sure. And another one that's much anticipated, that is Andor. It's a prequel sequence sequel series to I swear a, to god it's just coffee exactly <laughs> uh to rogue one to set the star obviously uh, diego luna will premiere on disney plus on august 31st with a two episode launch that seems to just be the new forte now yep um it will have 12 episodes total better than six but uh, those 12 more episodes as well making a two-part series oh. so that's very exciting and that will begin filming in november Andor is set five years before the events of Rogue One, and it tracks how and why uh, Kassan joined the Rebellion as Empire aggressively expands its reach across the galaxy. Now, part two will lead directly into the events of Rogue One. A new trailer showed a darker, grittier side of Star Wars and offered a first look at uh, Stallion Skarsgård's rebel leader, Genevieve O'Reilly Mon Mothra. So that is very exciting. There's a lot of stuff happening with that one. Um, And especially Rogue One was the first film or project that came from Star Wars that showed that they could tell these stories without lightsabers. So that's why this is very important. Yeah, yeah. And if you will 
outside the Skywalker saga, you know, taking place obviously within that time frame and, and stuff, but with no Skywalkers to be found. And it was one of the most successful films they've ever done. So I'm excited about that. Okay. So there's been all kinds of talk about Bryce Dallas Howard lately, right? Will she be in Fantastic Four? Won't she be in Fantastic Four? She's currently in Jurassic World. Obviously she's a busy girl. But we do know one thing definitively. Bryce Dallas will indeed be back in the Star Wars fold. The actress-director is apparently directing an episode of Season 3 of The Mandalorian. This episode, guys, get this, will actually mark her fourth outing for a Star Wars series and cements her connection to the bounty-hunting world. Now, as you guys know, Howard directed the Season 1 episode, Sanctuary, the Season 2 episode, The Heiress. She also helmed one of the standout episodes of The Book of Boba Fett, the Mando-centric episode, Return of the Mandalorian. Mandalorian, which only made sense. So she's a busy girl, and I like her. There's also talks of her possibly directing a feature Star Wars film in the future, so we'll see. I could completely see it, to be honest with you. And I mean, speaking of The Mandalorian, we now also know we have a premiere date for Season 3, uh, at least a premiere month, I should say. <laughs> Din Djarin, a.k.a. Mando, and Grogu are coming back in February of 2023, Ooh. so that is very freaking exciting. Heck yeah, man. That's awesome. Okay, a little bit sooner than everybody yeah. So also straight from the Star Wars celebration comes official word from Lucasfilm that the upcoming Ahsoka TV series for Disney Plus will, yes, will feature live action characters from Star Wars Rebels TV series. A sizzle reel of footage was shown at the end which revealed that Hera, Ezra, and Sabine will all appear in the new TV show. Casting was only confirmed for one of those characters though with actress Natasha Leah Bordizo set to play Sabine in the live action. Mm. So that's awesome. That is Because I know a lot awesome. of people were wondering how many more people would we see from the cartoon side into the live action. Well, apparently a lot. Exactly. <laughs> and you remember like a couple months ago we told you that Titan Taika Waititi is going to take the helm of a Star Wars film. Well, we have a tiny bit more information about it. Not a lot, but a little bit. Uh, not only is the Star Wars news like going crazy right now for obviously Obi-Wan, Mandalorian, Andor, all these other things, but Taika Waititi directed a Star Wars film that will be his first feature to follow the Rise of the Skywalker franchise and saga right there, and it's set to debut in December of 2023. Like oh. I said, Barely anything, but we have a little bit of a time frame, so that's yeah. very exciting. I mean, that was the only Star Wars film news. Yeah. That's interesting, because remember, that that was supposed to be Patty Jenkins' time slot for her Star Wars film, but she had to back out because of obligations to Wonder Woman yeah. sequel, so that's interesting. But, okay, so it wasn't all Star Wars news at the celebration, though. You guys know Lucasfilm also does other things outside of Star yes. Wars. Well, Lucasfilm also released the teaser trailer for Willow, the upcoming Disney Plus series that serves as a sequel to the 1988 fantasy film of the same name, of course. Now, returning stars Warwick Davis and Joanne Wally and the original film's director, Ron Howard, along with some of the new series cast, were on hand for the announcement, and they gave us this little juicy tidbit. Apparently, the new series will begin streaming right around the corner, November 30th on Disney+. Plus. That's very so that's awesome. awesome. I know a lot of people are excited about that, and I saw a little snippet that got me excited about it, even though I haven't seen the, <laughs> the original film, so I'll have to watch it. Oh, yeah, you gotta watch oh, it. Oh, man. Uh, and, of course... Talking about Star Wars, so let's talk about Harrison Ford. <laughs> he shocked the Star Wars celebration with a surprise appearance to tease his upcoming Indiana Jones 5 yeah, film. Not Star Wars. No, nope, not at all. <laughs> the iconic actor came out on stage after John Williams' famously indie theme played. Uh, the composer was on site and conducting a full orchestra That's for the event. Epic. Uh, James Mangold, who is stepping in for Steven Spielberg to direct the film, 
fifth installment of the indie franchise, was also on hand and revealed a new poster for the upcoming film. That's, that's very exciting. Oh, yeah. Indiana Jones 5 is slated to arrive in theaters June 30th of 2023. Ooh. Be sure to bring your walkers. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lie. The poster looked like Indy had a little. Maybe the, the whip was now a walking stick. Mm. I Just look at the poster. I mean, it's a badass poster, but <laughs> I'm just, I, look, I'm excited for it, though, and I'm, I'm going to just go on the record right now and say it's going to be epic because James Mangold doesn't make bad films. He's one of my directing idols, and I'm telling you, I think this guy's going to knock it out of the park. Hey, this could potentially be really good news for Gilmore Girls fans. Maybe, I don't know, sort of, why? Because apparently bad news for Hands Maid's Tale fans, Alexis Bledel, Rory Gilmore herself, apparently will not return for The Handmaid's Tale Season 5. Bledel, who has played the key character of Emily slash Offglen on the Hulu drama series in its first season since 2017, said in a statement, quote, After much thought, I felt I had to step away from The Handmaid's Tale at this time. I am forever grateful to Bruce Miller for writing such truthful and resonant scenes for Emily and to Hulu and GM, the cast, and the crew for their support. During her four-year run on The Handmaid's Tale, Bledel received four Emmy nominations and one win for her performance in the series. Now, long has since been the talk that they are trying. We know Miss Maisel's coming to an end. Long has been the talk they're trying to get another Gilmore Girls reunion thing going, so maybe this is a good sign. That'll be very interesting. <laughs> It'll be very freaking interesting. Well, it's not all Disney news this week, no. guys. Uh, going over to Fox, Matthew Morrison uh, will no longer uh, be a so-you-think-you-can-dance judge oh. after he failed to follow competition production protocols. Dum, dum. It is clear, uh, it is not clear exactly what the competition production protocols were that led to his exit. Since the show has already started airing its 17th season, he will still appear in four episodes. Hmm. So... There's that. <laughs> okay, I yeah. wonder what he did. Yeah. Uh, Susan Sarandon and Fat Joe are set to lead the voice cast of the animated comedy series The Movers, which is in development at Fox. Now, The Movers is described as a half-hour workplace comedy that explores New York City through the dysfunctional employees of the 78th-ranked moving company in Manhattan. The series is based on an original idea by Sarandon and her son, oh, okay, there you go, Jack Henry Robbins, who is also uh, Timothy Robbins' son, uh, and Daniel Ulaki. All three are credited as co-creators and executive producers, with Robbins and Ulaki writing the script. Fat Joe will also executive produce in addition to starring, so. That's very interesting. Yeah. I like that. I wish it was like PG-13 or like rated R because, I mean, you can get some hilarious shit oh, with you like definitely can. animated work comedy. I mean. Especially uh, since a moving company. Yeah. I mean, you can only Adults know. Yeah. Adults know. Well, heading over to Warner Brothers Discovery. Warner Brothers won a significant victory last week, or this week in its legal battle with its longtime financing partner, Village Roadshow. Mm. As a judge agreed to send the dispute to arbitration uh, village roadshow has teamed with the studio on numerous blockbusters over the last 25 years including joker the ocean series and american sniper but the relationship fondered uh, when warner brothers opted to release the matrix resurrection simultaneously in theaters and on hbo max along with its rest of its 2021 release 
uh, slates, as we know. It's been causing a lot of drama with a lot of different creators. Village Roadshow sued in February, alleging that Warner Brothers had sabotaged the film's box office revenue in order to boost the streaming mm. service. A lot of people have been saying that as well. Village Roadshow has alleged that Warner Brothers was moving forward with projects including Wonka, a TV series based on Edge of Tomorrow, and a sequel to I Am Legend with Will Smith and Michael B. Jordan without participation Uh-oh. from Village Roadshow uh, in violation to their agreement. Now, the company sought an injunction that would force Warner Brothers to abide by agreement. Uh, now, in his ruling, Judge David S. Uh, Cunningham held that the issues in the lawsuit are governed by the contract's arbitration clause. Mm. Now, he has also denied the Village Roadshow's request for an injunction in the statement. The Roadshow, or the Village Roadshow, said it would continue to fight in uh, arbitration to expect a win of significant damages. Mm. Um, I know a lot of people are coming after Warner Brothers for the same-day release for uh, 2021, so... I wouldn't be surprised if uh, at some point they might get a little something. Uh, yeah, and look, the, the, everybody's going to be keeping their eyes on this because this will have significant ramifications on other studios that also decided to release certain films same day. And because if Village Roadshow should somehow win, don't expect that other creators will go after other studios in exactly. that same type of an attempt. So we'll keep an eye on that one. All right, now, question for you. Who's ready to watch a new full-length Black Adam trailer. Me. This yeah, guy. For guy. sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, guess what? According to Dwayne The Rock Johnson himself, the wait's almost over. He announced that the trailer for the next big live-action DC film will drop. Are you ready? June 8th. That's right around the freaking quarter. That's like a week. It's next week. Exactly. The film arrives in theaters October 21st, so I'm so excited to finally get a, like a full trailer of it. I oh am, my too. Gosh, I'm awesome. so freaking pumped. I mean, he keeps posting these photos and these little things. Like, oh. it's it's awesome. It's going to be, be awesome. so freaking epic. Now, talking about J.J. Abrams a little bit earlier in the tease, well, his uh, Demimond, the first show of his pro prolific producer of this prolific producer has written since fringe back in 2008 is on the bubble at hbo as sources say mm. warner brothers discovery ceo david zasloff is frustrated by the lack of output from bad robots 250 million dollar overall deal Uh-oh. now sources <laughs> say that the budget for hbo's uh project that he is doing which has been in the work since 2018 is the source of of contentions as Abrams Bad Robot is eyeing to spend that net worth of north of $200 million. A uh, decision on whether the sci-fi drama will move forward is expected to come soon. Now, um, Bad Robot's rich overall deal with Warner Brothers Discovery is currently not in jeopardy, though the lack of output has created a larger discussion about (laughs) what the newly merged company expects uh, to stem from this overall pact. Now, Zaslov sources say is frustrated with the lack of delivery uh, from the deal that was signed back in September of 2019. Granted, sources also suggest that some frustration within the halls of Warner Brothers Discovery that Abrams has led a claim to a number of DC characters but has yet to get anything off the ground with any of these. Uh, Abrams also has multiple DC Comics projects in the works, including... 
an adult animated Batman series that reunites Abrams with his facility collaborator and friend Matt Reeves, who is behind, of course, the Batman feature film, uh, Constantine, and the pilot of Madam X. So that's a lot. That's a lot of uh, head-to-head going. Now, I complete as a businessman, I completely understand where Zasloff is coming from, but as a creative, this is one of your biggest creators that you have right now. Don't make him mad and don't make him go somewhere else. Yeah, and remember, he's also attached to the Green Lantern series and all that. But, you, you know, it's a it's a great point because later on in the industry news, we're going to have some more news about J.J. because he's all over our industry news. But you remember, you barely got him in a bidding war with Apple. You barely got him, but you signed him. You don't want to piss him off and have him leave to go to the other place because they have the money to buy him out. Just saying, you better be careful, like you said. Uh, Hey, this is exciting. Jodie Foster is set for one of the lead roles in True Detective Season 4 at HBO. Foster will apparently play Detective Liz Danvers in the fourth season. This marks the first major casting news to emerge from the new season, which is set in a town of Alaska where it can be dark for 24 hours a day at certain times of the year, as we all know. HBO's official synopsis for True Detective Night Country, which is what the new season is going to be called, reads, When the long winter night falls, in Ennis, Alaska, the six men that operate the Sol Arctic Research Station vanish without a trace. To solve the case, detectives Liz Danvers and Evangeline Navarro will have to confront the darkness they carry in themselves and dig into the haunted truths that lie buried under the eternal ice. Oh, sounds deep. Yeah, well, Jodie Foster is deep, so it's going to be good. It makes sense. (laughs) They should get her to direct, too. Yeah, for sure. Flipping to the opposite side of that, the first ever Scooby-Doo preschool series is headed to HBO Max and Cartoon Network in 2024. The CGI animated adventure comedy finds the iconic best pals as camp counselors who lead (laughs) a Paul, some new crew, (laughs) on a mystery-solving adventure at a sleepaway camp. Oh, Uh, Per the official logline, as counselors and the lakeside sleepaway camp scooby-doo and shaggy don't know much about uh, canoes and archery but they do know how to solve a mystery (laughs) and a summer filled with nature hikes rafting trips fire uh, fireside ghost stories and goofy good-hearted and can-do duo that does share the love of chasing clues with their younger camper pups uh uh, destined to become their own preschool version of mystery incorporated scooby-doo vets uh frank welker and matthew lillard will lead the voice cast playing Scooby-Doo and Shaggy, respectively. That's awesome. Obviously. But, I mean, you know, I love how they're keeping this um, concept around for the younger generation. Oh, I think me too. Scooby-Doo is definitely a staple in the up-and-coming in- industry, I guess. And that whole little thing where they say following clues, I wonder if it's going to be very reminiscent of like a Blue's Clues thing where the audience, the preschoolers, are included in trying to figure out the clues. That would be awesome if so. Uh, hey, guys, in case you missed it, which I don't know how you could because it was everywhere, after 19 years, the Ellen DeGeneres show came to a close this week with a look back, a victory lap, and final guests, including Jennifer Aniston, who also happened to be DeGeneres's first guest all those years ago. Now, during the series finale, DeGeneres focused her opening monologue on how the different the world is for LGBTQ plus people now than it was when the show began. She even said that when the show began, she couldn't even say gay on air. 
Wow. The two grooved through the audience to emotions. I'm talking, of course, about her DJ, Stephen Boss, a.k.a. Twitch, to which she asks to dance with her one last time before sitting down together on stage. Now, mirroring the open opening of the first ever episode of the show, in the closing, DeGeneres walked to the couch facing away from the audience, sat down in front of a TV displaying a live feed of the stage. She grabbed the remote, turned the TV off, and the doors closed behind her and mm. that's how it ended that's deep yeah that's dramatic <laughs> yeah especially for like a talk show like calm down mm. but i yeah. mean you know controversy just saying putting oh, that yeah. out there she had a lot of controversy after the past like year year and a half so yeah it is what it is but i mean i'm sure her and uh old girl are gonna be doing a lot of exciting things in hollywood so oh, yeah maybe she goes back up to stand up for a little while yeah. i mean you know for sure we'll see we'll see well paramount paramount's global stock price shot up 50 percent in a trade uh following news that warren buffett's berkshire hathaway has been scooping up more than two billion dollars worth of shares in the company in recent months now berkshire hathaway has been an investor in the one of paramount's uh, predecessor companies viacom about a decade ago but berkshire hathaway was not known to have had significant uh position in the company in recent years now, Buffett's purchase of the uh, late suggests that uh, he sees the company as undervalued. I could see that. Mm. Or that he expects the company to be involved in M&A. Uh, the company has staked much of the hopes on building out for its Paramount Plus streaming platform while its older linear cable channels uh, assets fade in value like we talk about every single week. Oh, yeah. But Buffett's renewed interest in Paramount Global is an intriguing sign for the company that is home to CBS. Obviously, uh, Paramount Pictures, Showtime, Nickelodeon, Comedy Central, BT, and other TV brands. So that'll be interesting if he'll come in and try to be a majority stake owner and try to you know take a little bit of creative control i mean two billion dollars worth of shares he's definitely got a say now um i i agree with that though i think maybe there is a, a a legitimate um look that it is undervalued a little bit and look if he thinks there's some mergers and acquisitions coming by all means, because everybody else is gobbling up stuff. Why not Paramount? Exactly. Let's let's see what Paramount Global bottles up and buys. I mean, the God knows. Uh, stars, maybe. We're talking about that a little later. I mean, are they going to eat up stars? Who knows? One thing we do know, Paramount Pictures' Top Gun Maverick earned a huge $51.8 million on its opening day, $19.3 million of that in its Thursday night previews as it began landing in North American theaters. That's a new Memorial Day weekend record, by the way, outdoing the $51.2 million opening day of 2010's Iron Man 2 and Paramount's best preview showing as well. Now, the film is easily headed for the biggest opening of Tom Cruise's career, which, if in case you're like me and had no idea, he's never had a film open above $100 million. What? Fucking Tom Cruise? Really? But apparently that's true. Um, it, Look, here it is. It's going to easily, like I said, be his biggest opening uh, for his career. Um. It's currently playing on 4,735 locations, which is the widest theatrical release in domestic box office history. Top Gun Maverick is now projected to earn $150 million over the holiday weekend. The release of the long-awaited sequel to the iconic 1986 movie is poised to be a defining moment for the box office this weekend and its recovery, which so far has been largely fueled by... 
superhero movies. And I think Paramount was out to prove you don't have to be a superhero movie to have a blockbuster opening weekend, and I think they're going to prove the point this weekend. Yeah, and I mean, everybody should get out to your theaters and see it because, I mean... I, I think it's a perfect movie. I, I didn't see anything wrong yeah. with it, to be honest. It was so entertaining, flowed so well. So get out to your theaters and see it this Memorial Day weekend. Oh, and so touching. One of my favorite moments is how respectful they are to Iceman himself, Val Kilmer. So you don't want to miss it just for that. Exactly. Completely agree. And on the heels of Top Gun Maverick, another Tom Cruise action-based franchise is back in action oh, yeah. with the first trailer of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Mm. The film is the seventh entry in the spy thriller franchise, uh, which stars Cruise, obviously, as Ethan Hunt, a special agent of the uh, Impossible Missions Force, IMF. Now, the trailer shows the return of several Mission Impossible series uh, cast members, including franchise uh, stalwart Ving Rhames, uh, more recent audition as our additions Simon Pegg obviously Rebecca Ferguson and Fallout star Vanessa Kirby yes. in addition to the trailer shows the return of Henry Kazerny uh, who appeared in the original back in 1996 uh, I was maybe not even born yet uh, Mission <laughs> Impossible as IMF director Eugene <laughs> Kittridge showing a tense meeting between him and uh, Cruz's hunt although the trailer doesn't reveal much about the plot of the film it provides a first look of several new characters to this franchise, including Haley Altwell as a new character named Grace, and Easy Morales uh, in the films as the film's primary villain. Uh, Mission Impossible The Dead Reckoning Part 1 will be released in theaters on July 14th of 2023. You can now watch the full trailer on YouTube. Yes, and um, I'm excited about Haley Atwell. I mm -hmm. mean, who doesn't want to see Agent Carter kicking some more ass, right? Exactly. Of course, she's not Agent Carter, but you know what I mean. Um, look, the sh shooting, like we have so many thoughts on that, but we're not going to get into all that and discuss it. But we can say it's had, you just heard it up in our Disney news about, you know, the, the warning on Obi-Wan. It's had so much impact on the entertainment industry in everybody. Um, CBS pulled the season four finale of FBI in light of the shooting at te in Texas. The episode was pulled due to the fact that the storyline in the finale actually was about a school shooting. Mm wisely so pulling it a yeah. repeat of fbi aired in the finale's place and a new air date for the finale has yet to be determined well done yeah well done for yanking that i think it was the right move and um hey when it's time it's time and we'll see it completely agree completely agree <sighs> that's what i'm so sad about the good fight showrunners robert and michelle king will bring a 13-year journey with christian Bur Barzanski's Diane Lockhart to a close. With season six, six premieres September 8th on Paramount+. Plus. They have confirmed that the upcoming season will be its last. The Kings say that the decision to call it a wrap with a final 10-episode season was a matter of not wanting to overstay their welcome and to take the good fight out on a high note, which makes sense. The yeah. series debuted in February of 2017 as a spinoff of the Emmy-winning uh, CBS legal drama The Good Wife, which ran from 2009 to 2016. So I, I, I would much rather them go out on a high note than them be kind of like Grey's right now where you're just like, will this thing ever end? Oh, my God. Okay, so I'm so. just going to say this, though. In last season, there was an attempt to get Good Wife star Juliana Margulies to, to have a guest starring spot on the show. And apparently they disrespected her by offering her 
guest starring money mm. when she was the star of The Good Wife and significant character to which this spinoff is built around. Yeah. Um, she wanted to be treated that way and, and be given a significant more amount of money. I'm hoping... I'm hoping that the the uppers at Paramount will realize that, give her the money that she wants, and if you're gonna go out on a high note and do it right, have Juliana Margulies make an appearance this season. That's all I'm saying. It would be right. Um, just my opinion. Uh, former Empire actor, uh-oh, Jesse Smollett's directing debut apparently has finally found a home where BET Plus has apparently picked up B-Boy Blues, which will debut on the streamer on June 9th in time for Pride Month. Now, B-Boy Blues reps the first faults, uh, reps the first project for Smollett since being found guilty of making false reports about what he alleged to be a hate crime. He was later, of course, sentenced to 30 months of felony probation, including 150 days in jail, and ordered to pay a fine for making those false reports to police. Following the, his report that he was the victim of the hate crime, all the way back in January of 2019. I mean, okay. Yeah, I'm surprised they're even giving him an opportunity, uh, to be honest. But, you know, it is what it is. I mean, everybody deserves second chances, I guess. Um, anyway, BT Plus is also <laughs> doing a Martin the Reunion yes! special. I think this is awesome. I mean, all these iconic shows doing reunion specials. Oh, yeah. Has given a premiere date as well. The series, which reunites the cast of the iconic 1990s Fox sitcom, uh, will debut June 16th on the streamer uh, with a 90-minute reunion. Brings back the original stars Martin Lawrence, Tisha Campbell, and uh, Tichina Arnold and Carl Anthony Payne II to reminisce about the show's five seasons. The show even takes place on the iconic Martin living room set and hosted by Afron Crockett. So that's very exciting. Yes. I know a lot of 90s people are pumped about that one. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I'm sure they're going to pay homage and remembrance to one of the stars that had passed away recently. So we'll see. I, I think it's going to be uh, just, I loved that show, so I'm pumped. All right, let's jump over to NBC Universal. Ahead of the release of F9, the Fast Saga, uh, last summer, Vin Diesel teased a variety that he wanted Rita Moreno to join the next Fast and Furious move to play his grandmother. Well, guess what? Diesel announced this week that Moreno's casting was official and that the EGOT-winning actress is playing his grandmother in Fast 10. News of Moreno's casting comes after Diesel revealed that the filmmaking team behind the Fast and Furious franchise was aiming to explore more of the Toretto family tree in the upcoming 10th and 11 installments of the franchise. Fuck. So, I wish they'd just stop, but I, hey, I like Rita Moreno, so, you know, good for her. They always just said 10. Why 11? I know. They always know. said 10. Nobody gives a shit about the rest of the Toretto family. No, they really don't, <laughs> man. They really don't. But speaking of family, um, that the series finale of This Is Us averaged a 1.3 rating amongst adults 18 to 49 and 4. million total viewers according to Live Plus Same Day Nielsen data. Now, that marks the best key demographic rating from the series since the second episode of Season 5. That was on November 10th of 2020. And the best total viewer numbers since the third episode of Season 5 from November 17th of 2020. Very emotional. Very great, um, but always want more. 
Just all yeah. you just always want more. Who who out there? Raise your hand if you want to see the spinoff of Randall as president. For sure, I think. I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like you said, when we were off air, they kind of set that up with the fucking Aaron Sorkin West Wing thing. Yeah, like, so be you know, so epic. If Fogelman doesn't want to do it, let Aaron Sorkin do it and just go, man. It'd be awesome. All right, so now we're gonna jump to a couple of NBC departures coming up. One unexpected, no, two unexpected. One not so much. If you listen to our show, you knew this. Anthony Anderson will not be returning for season 22 of Law & Order. Why did I say you know this? Because we reported that Anderson signed a one-year deal when NBC relaunched the series for its 21st season this year, and he has, as he said he would, decided not to continue as Detective Kenneth Bernard in the procedural dramas next season. Now, this one might be unexpected and i'm hoping it's not true but apparently original series star sam waterston himself who of course plays jack mccoy also only signed a one-year deal it's not yet clear if he has chosen or chosen not to continue or depart on the famed franchise can you have law and order without jack you can't pay him yeah just pay him yeah (laughs) i mean the numbers got to be right and i honestly gotta say i don't blame these guys for not wanting to go past a year because law and order is a hardcore franchise to get committed to because you'll be it'll be 20 years later and you're still playing the same fucking person much respect to him because he had one year left on his contract remember they abruptly canceled it way back he had one year left on his existing contract and he obligated that huge kudos to that because he didn't have to yeah exactly exactly well the blacklist is also saying farewell to two series regulars including one of NBC's drama's longest serving cast members is mm. Mir Arson. Now, the actor who portrayed Arem Mortabi uh, in the past nine seasons is leaving as he's preparing to make his uh, Broadway debut there you this go. summer in the starring role of Mir in The Kite Runner. Uh, also departing is Laura Son, uh, who has portrayed the FBI agent Alina Park for the last three seasons. Both characters' exits were revealed at the end of this week's uh, season nine finale. So there that is. I, I, one, I'm shocked that this show is still on after the daughter left. <laughs> but it, hey, it's hanging in there. And um, I'm sure we're going to see some more departures over the next couple of years if it, if it makes it past this next year. Hey, Al Michaels is leaving NBC. Or is he? Al Michaels might be leaving NBC's Sunday Night Football, but he's not exactly leaving NBC. The veteran broadcaster who revealed in March that he was planning to lead Amazon's new stream cast of Thursday Night Football in the fall is keeping a foothold at NBC Sports. Michaels will have emeritus status and is expected to contribute across the NBC Sports portfolio, including, the company said, NFL playoff games and Olympic coverage. So there you go. That's pretty cool. I mean, he's got an iconic voice, and I mean, he's been there for his ten years. Insane. So oh yeah, makes I mean, sense. Well, going over to Sony, Ghostbusters Afterlife actor Castell O'Connor has joined the cast of Madam Web, an upcoming installment of Sony's universe of Marvel characters. Mm-hmm. O'Connor's role uh, has not been announced yet. Um, they will appear in the comic book adventure alongside Dakota Johnson, who is playing the title character, as we told you before, as well as Sydney Swin. 
Sweeney of Euphoria fame. Now, the movie will serve as an origin story for yeah. Madame Web, uh, the clairvoyant uh, whose psych- psychic abilities allow her to see within the spider world itself. Madame Web is Sony's first modern comic book adaptation to feature a woman in the headlining role. Now, yeah, finally, in the Marvel comics, Madame Web is a paralyzed elderly woman with a Misthenia uh, Gravis and go. chronic autoimmune disorder requiring her to connect to life support system assembling um, a spider web. Now, resembling a spider web, uh, her supernatural abilities prove to be greatly beneficial uh, to Spider-Man and his fellow uh, allies. Like Spider-Woman, uh, given her condition, though, she has never battled villains herself. So... We'll see. Well, we see different cameos from different characters. I would bet they're setting this one up for her to be in Spider-Woman. We yep. know Olivia Wilde is working on a Spider-Woman film, so I'm guessing that where that's where that's headed. Um, more Sony video games are apparently in line for the TV treatment, as Sony's Pictures Entertainment CEO Tony Vicuera revealed in an investor briefing this week that popular PlayStation titles Horizon Zero Dawn and Gran Turismo are the latest games going Hollywood. The Horizon Zero Dawn series, based on the popular video games where robotic dinosaurs roam a post-apocalyptic America is in early development at Netflix, while Gran Turismo, a racing series, hasn't landed a distributor yet and is also in early development. In addition to those, the new project Sony confirmed that the God of War series has landed at Amazon Prime Video. So there you go. If you like video game adaptations, you got a shitload coming. That makes sense. Well, Lionsgate, Lionsgate came in below Wall Street's expectations its first three months of of the year mm. but its tv production division again had stellar results and uh and its star streaming business kept that going now the company's previously announced that it would look into spinning off or selling stars the premium cable network and streamer it acquired back in 2016 as part of a reducing debt now among the suitors are roku and apollo group yeah. which have teamed on a bid to acquire the minor- minority uh, stake in stars now ceo john felthenheimer uh said lionsgate is aiming to announce its plan for stars by the end of the summer and that the company expects a transition could close as early as the first quarter of the calendar year of 2023 oh. Now, Felthenheimer also said the expectations that Lionsgate will retain some ownership stake in stars, so they don't want to give it all away, just a little bit, kind of. Maybe. Majority. (laughs) Paramount? Is that what Warren Buffett's looking at? We don't know. All right, let's go to Netflix. And now this is a serious story, guys, and we want to just kind of, we we always like to have a little fun and everything, but this is not a joking matter, and, and we wanted to tell you. Bridgerton actress Ruby Barker, in case you missed it, is speaking about her own mental health, including a recent hospitalization, to help encourage others to more carefully consider their mental health and get support when they need it. In a more than five-minute video shared on her Instagram account this week, the actress shared that she was about to be discharged from a mental health facility and was planning to take some time away. Now, while opening up about both her condition and treatment, Barco also pointed out how in mental health discourse, catchphrases and buzzwords can be used to encourage people to consider their own care, but that people who are facing mental health issues in the moment ultimately need more than that to address what's happening to them. Um, 
kudos to her for coming forward and revealing that. I think that a lot of people always feel, especially with mental health, that they're somehow going through it alone. And so when you can see that there are other people out there, especially people of significant nature like her, um, are going through that too, I think it's always helpful. And um, thank you for sharing that. And guys, mental health, man, it's so, so important. Mental health, it's yeah. so important. It's a real thing, man. It's a real thing. Well, J.K. Simmons, Jackie Early Haley, and Oddwell Man, uh, Jessica DeGuao, and our friend and previous It Cat Podcast guest, Alice Lee have signed on to star alongside Mark Wahlberg and Holly Berry in the Netflix thriller Our Man from Jersey. Ooh, yeah. Now, this film centers on Mark, uh, Mike, who is played by Mark, <laughs> a down-to-earth construction worker from Jersey uh, who is quickly thrust into the world of super spies and secret agents when a high school ex-girlfriend, Roxanne, played by Barry, recruits him on a high-stakes U.S. intelligence mission. Oh. Now, that sounds exactly like a Netflix movie. It does. <laughs> it does. But Mark Wahlberg is awesome. Halle Berry is awesome, and so I think it's going to be good. And congrats. J.K. Simmons, anytime you add J.K. Simmons, it's going to be good. And yay, congrats, Alice. We're so pumped for you. Uh, the trailer for Joe and Anthony Russo's The Gray Man dropped, and it shows Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans in an epic spy chase across board. The movie premieres in theaters on July 15th before heading to the streamer a week later. Now, based on Mark Greeny's book series, Gossing plays CIA operative Court Gentry and inadvertently spills secrets about his organization, forcing him to go on the run from Evans's mustached Lloyd Hansen, an unhinged former colleague. The movie also features Anna de Armas as a by-the-book CIA agent who gets tangled up in the mess. The spy thriller is one of Netflix's most expensive films ever ever with a budget that came in at a whopping 200 million dollars they fucking love these spy thrillers and spending so So much much money i mean like uh, but you got an avenger chris evans and ryan gosling so you know exactly it's so interesting (laughs) um now we've been talking about it stranger things season four dropped this week and the young adults are dealing with a lot over the course of this season there is a looming terrors of graduation for Nancy, obviously Natalia Dreyer, Dyer, and Jonathan Charlie Heaton. Uh, the crushing work of managing a video store for Steve <laughs> um, and Robin, uh, obviously with Maya Hawk and uh, Joe Curry. And now, and the threat of the paranormal serial killer uh, Vecna murdering the townspeople of Hawkins. The current season is off to a great start, already landing in Netflix's top 10. But we know with Raising Dion, that doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Well, luckily for this one, it's got a shelf life and they yeah, know when like, it's ending. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, now, like Disney Plus's Obi-Wan Kenobi, Netflix has also added a warning card to the Stranger Things for premiere in light of the school shooting that happened in Texas. Um, in The warning card reads, we filmed this season of Stranger Things a year ago uh, prior to that. The warning appears before the prior season recap that auto plays at the beginning of Stranger Things 4 Episode 1 for viewers only in the U.S. Additionally, Netflix has also edited the description for the premiere to include the note, warning, contains graphic violence involving children and added disturbing images to the show rating advisories. Makes sense. It just makes sense. The time we live in, which is fucking sad. Um, now, happy, happy, happy stuff. Uh, that 90s show, the spinoff of that 70s show at Netflix is bringing back the one and only 
Hey, man. Tommy yeah. Chong as Leo. Chong is the latest original series cast member to return for the new show. And it was previously announced that Kurtwood Smith and Deborah Jo Rupp will also star in the new series as Red and Kitty Foreman, Topher Grace, Laura Pipron, Ashton Kutcher, Milia Kunis, and Wilmer Valderrama are all set to make their guest appearances. I'm so excited for this thing. Hell yeah, me too. I was a huge fan of that 70s show. I'm going to be a huge fan of this one too, no doubt about it. Now, if you've been following cans, cons, con, however you want to pronounce yeah, it, whichever it's all one. up to you. Um, not a lot of uh, big news coming out of there. Not a lot of big sales. Normally, you hear all about these things, but there was some good news for Netflix, which is apparently wrapping up a deal for Pain Hustlers, a conspiracy film from David Yates that is set to star Emily Blunt. The Pact, which is for global rights to the package, is said to be in the $50 million range. The sale is the biggest one so far out of the festival, where deal-making has been, as I said, slow going. The movie's official logline reads, Dreaming of a better life for her and her young daughter, Liza Drake, played by Blunt, a high school dropout lands a job with a failing pharmaceutical startup in a yellowing strip mall in Central Florida. Now Liza's charm, guts, and drive catapult the company and her into the high life where she soon finds herself at the center of a criminal conspiracy with deadly consequences. Mm, oh. That sounds interesting. It does sound interesting. But yeah, I mean, I haven't heard a lot of things about it either. So no. it's going to be interesting, guys. It's, we'll keep you posted on if anything happens with any of those projects. That's right. Heading over to Amazon. Amazon has picked up a sci-fi animated comedy, mm. The Hospital, for two seasons, you know, because they give people traction time. <laughs> uh, this series was originally reported as being in development at the streamer in early 2020. Maya Rudolph and Natasha Leone are part of the voice cast and also executive producing under their Animal Pictures banner. And also Kiki Palmer, Greta Lee, uh, Kieran Culkin, and Sam Smith will also voice Whoa. characters on this show. The Hospital follows Sleech and Clack, aliens, best friends, and intergalactically renowned surgeons oh as they tackle anxiety-eating parasites, illegal time loops, and deep space STIs, mm. um, risking mm. their careers to take on a remarkable case they put exi into existence itself in jeopardy. So there's that. That sounds very funny. That does sound like it's going to be interesting. I mean, who doesn't want to see alien doctors uh, risking their lives yeah. to do things? For now, sure. this is jumping. We're jumping to Apple now. And remember I said Apple narrowly lost down to Warner Brothers in that J.J. Abrams race. And we know Zaslav might be pissing J.J. off. And so this story is extremely and potentially important. A Speed Racer live action series is in the works at Apple with... J.J. Abrams on board as an executive producer. Now, Apple has given the project, which has been in the works for a considerable amount of time, which apparently they don't care if it's taking that long. Um, they've given it a series order. Ron Fitzgerald and Harim Martinez are attached to write and executive produce in addition to serving as co-showrunners. Abrams will executive produce under his bad robot banner. Now, Speed Racer, if you're not a fan of the old cartoon, and if not, why? Uh, Speed Racer follows the adventures of Auto Racer. Sir, uh, speed, obviously, and his souped-up car, the Mach 5. His team consists of his father and car builder, Pops Racer, his little brother, Sprittle, and his pet chimpanzee, Chim Chim, and Speed's girlfriend, of course, Trixie. Now, Speed also frequently crosses paths with the mysterious Racer X, who, if you know and you watch the show, is secretly Speed's older brother, Rex Racer. Mm. Yeah! So exciting. I love that. Some say that was... Uh 
one of the first animes, so I'm excited for this one. Yeah, I'm it's going to be cool. They, were, they tried a live-action film a while back with that, remember? Wasn't so successful, but, you know. Yeah, with the uh, old boy from Lords of Dogtown yeah, and, like, yeah. Into the Wild and yep. shit, so... Yeah, yeah, that one. Um, <laughs> that is our industry news, guys. It was freaking epic. So much good stuff happening in Hollywood, man. Oh, man. But now it is time for Peter Jason to come on the show to talk about his new project coming out that is very timely, we must say, deep in the forest. Yeah. Um, basically, you'll you'll hear all about it, but when, when he tells you the premise, you're going to be like, damn. That that's that's a lot going on, especially in the political climate that we live in. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He's a lot of fun to talk to. Uh, like we teased at the top of the show, gives some amazing advice for all you up and comers out there. So I think you're really gonna want to listen, and uh, you're gonna enjoy this interview. Completely agree. Completely agree. Well, here he is. Well, shit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Peter Jason, welcome inside the Crazy Ant Farm. That's a great intro right there. Exactly. How are you man. tonight? Oh, and, and and he's got a beverage. I love it even more. Exactly. <laughs> this guy is ready to get crazy. Yes, sir. We are super excited to be talking to you tonight. Obviously, we're going to dive deep into the forest with you uh, and about the new project and talk heavily about that. Could not be more relevant with what's going on in the country right now, so we're excited to talk about that. And uh, the longevity of your career and the brilliance of, uh, you, I mean, you're, you're a theater man, you're television, you're film, you've kind of kind of done it all, um, so we're super pumped to talk about that. Um, so, yeah, let's just get right into it. Um Let's give you a little bit of a background for anybody who might not be familiar with you. Was acting something that was like, that's what I want to do? You knew from an early age? Did you kind of fall into it? How'd you get started? I was born on a mountaintop, Menacee, in sweetest land, <laughs> in the land of the free. Given. Uh, actually, I was born in Hollywood. Uh, I grew up in a little town. My dad was over fighting the Nazis, and uh, my mom was at my grandmother's up here, and uh but I grew up down in Balboa, California, Newport Beach, California. Mm. I was a beach rat for the first uh, 18 years of my life, I guess. My dad, uh, mom and dad had these five idiot kids, Pat, Pete, Pug, Peg, and Pam. <laughs> and uh, he was a, he, they were both educators. And he, my dad was a PE teacher, so he brought all the equipment home. And so I was the best athlete in the school for the first 15 years. And then they got really big. Yeah. And uh, so then uh, I got a, I got in a senior play in high school, a, a girl I was uh, tailing. Uh, <laughs> it's always and, about a woman, isn't it? She talked me into auditioning <laughs> for this play and I got the lead in it. And I went out for my curtain call at the, at the end of the play and they exploded into applause. And I went, oh, <laughs> I like this. I think I like this. Yeah. And then I never looked back. That's all I did from that moment on. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And especially with being a fellow thespian myself, um, there's just something about that instant reaction that you get from the audience, right? Just not like anything. Once you're bit by it, you can't get unbit. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And there's something about performing to the back row as well, right? Something about, you know, trying to connect with that person in the very back or in the very front. You can literally make that eye contact with them and like look into their soul and give them what you're trying to put out into the world. And I think that is very special. One of the hardest things about having the pandemic happen uh, the last two and a half years is like nobody to play with. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that I mean... It, well, that's I mean, what we do. We play, you know, that's our job. We play. For the first 18 years of my life, I played sports. The next 60 years, I played uh, with people, you know? Yeah, 
Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so uh, you train you started theater though, right? But, but let, let, before we even <laughs> jump into TV and film, it, it it was on stage, right? All on stage. Everything was on stage. Everything was on stage. I did several tours. Uh, uh, I, I was one of the founding members of the South Coast Repertory Theater out here. Uh, I went to Carnegie Tech before it was a Mellon, and uh, it's, which is the oldest accredited acting school in America, in Pittsburgh, and uh, that's where I kind of got my my serious chops uh, going, at least whetted. And uh, <laughs> uh, then I, I went to uh, I came to Cal I came back to Hollywood to to start my career, and I got hot in a hurry, and uh, I did some plays. I did. Uh, 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 the Web and the Rock, mm -hmm. which is Thomas Wolfe uh, uh, book, uh, and I played George Weber in that, and that kind of started my career out in Hollywood. Nice. I joined Theater West, which was a theater group here, and I and I and I, I did tours that went out, like I did uh, with Monty Franklin, and I did uh, Your Own Thing in uh, San Francisco, Hollywood, Philadelphia, Washington D.C. Uh, like that. And then we did another tour with, uh, you know, Captain and Tennille. Her name was Tony Shearer at that time. She wrote a musical called, uh, it was a rock musical about ecology called, uh, hmm. I forget what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I'm just, uh, you dropped some knowledge about Captain and Tennille and Tony's real name. That's awesome. Like, yeah, I don't think a lot of people even know that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, at that time she was, she was Tony, uh, Tony uh, Shearer. And uh, she met the captain on this show. The captain was the son of Daryl Dragon. And he, uh, he was our conductor, musical conductor. Oh. Uh, and uh, we did that in San Francisco and here at Huntington Hartford in, in L.A. And then Ford's Theater, where they killed Lincoln in, uh, in uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, and uh, Mother Earth. That was the name of that show. There you go. I knew you'd get it. <laughs> Wake me up in the middle of the day and tell me what I. Yeah, Mother Earth, uh, which was which was uh, Patty Austin was in it. Oh yeah, okay. She was great, and and her mom was traveling with her because she was too young, right. really at the time to be alone, and uh, so we kind of bonded on that movie and had a great time. Nice. So. Uh, did, from from stage, did was the plan always to transition into film and television, or did that just kind of something that happened? You know, I didn't even know about the film and TV part. I just thought acting was acting. You know, I didn't know right. there was a difference. I didn't know anything. You know, and so that's all I aimed for. Uh, uh, it was just too much fun. You know, acting was just too much fun. Absolutely. <laughs> and. Uh, so I went anywhere to do anything. I didn't want to be a spear carrier. I'd, I'd work for free if I could have good parts. And kind of that's the way, I, that was my mentality. Just give me good parts and I'll be, I'll, I'll show up anywhere. Went to ACT in San Francisco. Uh, I was with uh, uh, Theater West and uh, a lot of different theater groups. And sure. just loved working with, uh, well, Theater West was really good. That was, there were a lot of, it's, it was a place where people in the film business worked out mm. and uh kept their chops you know chopping mm -hmm. and uh so i joined that and we i did a lot of shows for them betty garrett and chuck aidman and phil abbott and all these great uh character actors from from all around <coughs> right bless you, my son. Bless you. And, <laughs> thank you uh, and so i i i i got my first uh tv show was a was a was a was a red skelton show Mm. Oh yeah, got my card, my after card with that, and uh, 
he, he was, you know, the little kid he plays, uh, he, he does that sucker and he's got the little hat. With yep. The yep. Little shorts and he skips here. Skips around. <laughs> yes. He was on a cruise ship, skip along and <laughs> his sucker. And, hey. and, and uh, my wife, my newlywed wife and I were uh, on the cruise ship mm-hmm. and uh, he comes up to us and there's a few jokes exchanged. And that was my first film. Okay. Um, uh, I, I thought it was just so exciting. I just loved it. And uh, uh, actually, I was I I've been doing a King Henry VIII and a Man for All Seasons down at the Laguna Playhouse, mm. and Gavin McLeod had had seen me, uh, uh, and he he told his agent to come down and take a look at this kid, and the agent did, and he came at intermission. and says, "Listen, my wife's having a baby. I know you're not in the second act. I'm an agent, a Hollywood agent. Here's my card. Please come and see me." And I went, great, thanks, you know. And I, so I immediately went to Hollywood, moved in with the wife and kid, his, his uh, wife and his new baby. Oh, oh my wow. goodness. <laughs> and I started auditioning. And uh, I got a couple of gun smokes right off the bat. Yep. And, uh, gun smokes and Cimarron Strip and uh, uh, Land of the Giants. Yes. <laughs> these, these, those are the shows that they were doing then. They were so much fun to do that uh, I, I stayed in Theater West. I kept doing plays, but I now ha- I found out how much money you can make doing TV and movies. Right. And then I got my first movie, which was Rio Lobo with John Wayne, directed by Howard Hawks. Mm. Took me to Mexico, uh, paid me a lot of money, and I thought I was the king. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. And I started acting like one. I started acting like an ass. Uh. And, uh, so my agent said, you know, grow up kid go to new york for a year and grow up yeah so he sent me to new york and uh you know nothing will bring me uh, back to earth faster than trying to take the <laughs> rush hour right you know? and uh and then i got some plays i did some plays back there i, I, I did uh, a play called the ballad of johnny pot mm-hmm. it was uh, uh johnny appleseed uh, like except he traveled around planting pot instead of apples okay <laughs> it was a musical and david carradine played uh, johnny pot and Betty Buckley was uh, his girlfriend, Sarah. And I was the cop chasing him. Ah. And, and that was a blast. That play was so much fun to do. Oh, but I did bet. a bunch of plays in New York, uh, some musicals. I, I, musicals were what I really loved doing. They were the most fun. I did uh, Frank Vedekin's Lulu. Uh, I did um, a thing called Wolves and the Lambs, which was uh, Chris Cooper's first play. Mm. He he arrived in in, uh, in New York with his girlfriend from St. Louis, and straw still behind his ears, you know. And he was he came into town. And my wife helped him set up their apartment, and and he and I did this little play at, at Theater Works. I think it was called down 18th Street. And uh, uh, theater in New York was just a blast. It was just I, I really sure. loved it. It was like church, you know. If if you're a theater person and you're in New York and you're working in the theater, it's like church. Uh, I found out Hollywood is not the same way. Hollywood, your church is the movie business. Right, right. right. Out here, you can be doing uh, uh, a Laverne and Shirley uh, audition, and, 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 and you don't have to go to your opening night. If you know, It is like, <laughs> you can, the equity waiver out here was like, I did a bunch of shows, and people would leave at the last second because they got one day on, <laughs> or something like that. You right. Know, like, well, it was different. New right. York and uh, Hollywood and New York are totally two different towns. And they, at least they were then. And uh, uh, 
the serious actors were New York actors, you know, and right. the uh, fly by night, want to be a movie star people were out here. And uh, I liked them both. I, I liked uh, I liked both sides of it. Uh, I just liked being around people who were involved in theater. It was it was sure. so much fun creating a family, which is what they did, mm-hmm. and uh, what the plays did anyway. They try to create a family, and, and and you live together for several months, and help each other, and and become a family. Mm-hmm. It's harder to do in a movie. Yeah, or it, uh, you, they create it in a, in a on a series. You know, they'll create a TV show and, uh, and that family stays together week after week after week. You know, right. if it's like, uh, when I was doing uh, Gunsmoke, I kept walking by uh, this this dressing room where the door was open and the laughter was pouring out of it day after day. You know, and I'm, and I'm just a guest star over here on Gunsmoke. And I, I finally I stuck my head in to see what was going on. <laughs> and it was uh, Gavin McLeod and Ted Knight and Ed Asner. Laughing. Oh, Get yeah. <laughs> Asner says, you know, like, hey, how you doing, guys? Sit down. Where are you from? What are you doing? <laughs> and then they beat me up for a while. You know, it was like they just much fun together you saw that's that's what you have to do you have to create a family and you have to love each other and support each other and uh and that's what they did so uh well i gotta tell you listening to you talk and tell these stories about both the theatrical side and the television side and and new york and you can tell how much you love it how much passion you have for it even still because yeah yeah, it's just like listening to a child on christmas talking about his best present that's how you that's how you sound coming across you could just have that laughter man they haven't let me do it for two and a half years now you know (laughs) the pandemic and everything i've done a few zoom productions and a couple of you know but it's just no no fun i'm here at home with my you know i'm here i am how much fun do you have you know you can only have so much fun i'm out making stuff in my backyard you know Right, right. right. <laughs> exactly. Well, from where you started to where it is now, or at least pre-pandemic, how do you say the entertainment industry has evolved throughout the years? Would you say that it's more business and less family, or is it just more of like a faster pace than what it kind of seems like on our end anyway? Well, the creation of the family is never going to disappear. Mm-hmm. That's what they're going to try to do on every show you ever get on. They're going to try to make that family. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, the bean counters and whatever, the studio execs or whatever, they're going to, they, they disrupt that with their trip. Their yeah. trip is money, is to count, the, you know, uh, above the line, behind the line, how much for this, how much for that, bit, 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 how can you get in sooner and faster, you know, instead of enjoying the process, which is why we all yes. got into it to begin with. Uh, so that, that part has changed, but, uh, what ha- what, what the, one of the major changes in the last 55 years that I've been in 56 years that I've been doing it is the computer, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. my, my agent used to meet me at the gate. You have a two o'clock audition over at uh, uh, Paramount. I'll meet you in front of the gate, right? And you go over and you find your parking space somewhere and you walk over and you meet your agent in front of the gate. He walks you in. And uh, you go into the building of the casting people and you, and there were secretaries, bing, 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 bing. Right. And first one is for a one line part, then for a three line part, then a five line, a one day part, and then for a, a, a co-starring role, and for a guest starring role, and then for a starring role, or a, you know, a special guest starring role. They, they had, each secretary had like a pecking order. Right. 
and you had to work your way up the rank. And it was the same with your money. You know, you had to work your money up the rank. Yeah. And, uh, so it was like, it was, it was like a reward system. And it, it was, even that was fun. I like that. I like that because they rewarded success, you know, and, and uh, you do a better job. They treated you better. Uh, give him instead of don't put give him the honey wagon. Give him a two banger. You know, you got to let him stay in the two banger wagon because he's a guest star now. And uh, yeah, it was like the promotions were you 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 could you if you paid attention and showed you only have to do two things as an actor: show up on time and know your lines. That's yes. right. You don't even have to be. <laughs> you know, you don't have to be good. All you have to do is do those two things, and they're going to call you back. They're going to let you come back because that guy showed up on time and he knew his lines. You know, so you just keep going along. And uh, but then the computer came in. Mm-hmm. So now your agent uh, calls you from his cell phone. Uh, he's not even in the office. He's in, you know, Tampico betting on the pony. Right. And he calls you up and he says, uh, you got a two o'clock audition over at Paramount. And uh uh, we're sending you the sides on a, on a fax or on an email or on a message. And, and you get the, you get the three pages or six pages that you have to learn in the next six hours or one day, you have to learn all these lines to go in and do the audition where you show up on time. And if you're really important, they give you a drive on. If not, you got to park off the lot and walk on the lot and show them your ID and stuff like that. And you finally get in to get to the audition, more work to get into the place to do the audition. (laughs) And uh, you show up and you go and do that. And then if they really like you, they call you back and you do it all over again. Well, uh, so if you if you're smart, you know, and you and you figure out the way to work, and, and 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 you figure out how to what IMDb is, and you go into IMDb and you look up the director, the producer, the writer, and the stars, and you get all the information about them, you're going in there with power. You're going mm. in there with information, you know. So you're walking in this room where six people are judging you, you know. It's like a beauty contest. You walk in there, hey, I get that pretty guy. No, he's prettier. Okay, get him. And. Uh, and you're, you're up against the same guys, you know, time after time again, the same 20 guys that you've been up against for years. I'm still up against the same guys. I was up what, 50 years ago, except the ones that are dead. No one's, are, you know, quit. And no one's <laughs> given up. No one's... <laughs> I love that, though. I, I just I absolutely love every aspect of that because I do feel like, you know, with the invention of the computer and the cell phone and and all this technology, we've lost the beauty of the face to face uh, of the interaction of what makes it so fun to begin with. Right. Like we have kind of lost that. And I'm glad you brought that up. So um, when you you get in the room, you have to instead of that judgment of them judging you, Mm -hmm. you have to change the dynamic in the room. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I look in the IMDb thing. I see that the director's done two movies. I've done 200. So he needs me. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a confidence that you take in when you see that. Yes. Or the other the other side of the thing, that guy's made 30 movies and, and two of them are fantastic movies. And he, so you try to find a moment in that audition where you can go, you know, when you were make, building that wall in... Uh, how did you find that thing that went through the wall? How did, Oh, that took two days. We had to bring in a man and, and two camels and an, and an Easter bunny came in on the side. We had to, it was really, tra- we had, all of a sudden it's 
two guys talking about how you make shit. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Talking about how you make stuff. And uh, instead of one guy judging another. Exactly. So all of a sudden you change the dynamic in the room. Then when it comes time later on, when they decide who they're going to use, they go, I want that guy. Why? I like him. Exactly. I mean, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning, trying to build that family aspect from the get go to have that connectability to someone that you just met and to show that you're not going to be an asshole. You are going to show up on time and you are going to know your lines because like you said, Mr. Legendary Man, um, it's all about those two things, those three things. So that's what it's all about. It's very important just to have that connectability. And it doesn't seem like a lot of people in the industry are assholes, at least that of what we've come across so far, a lot of people are not assholes, but I'm sure there still are those people out there. Um, but to show that you're a humble kind. Rotten apples fall all the time. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Fall. Well, some of them hit you, some of them don't. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, let's go from family and connections and, and likability to where we're at today, where it seems like the entire country is so drastically divided one way or the other, and there is no middle ground or family or any kind of friendly in the middle anymore. Um, and let's dive deep into into the new film, right? Deep in the forest, because it addresses this. Deep into the forest, you meet no friend. That's right. <laughs> I love, and he does voiceover too. It's fantastic. But it's so relevant because for anybody who's unfamiliar with what the plot line is, it's a group of progressives that are basically hiding out deep in the forest because there's a civil war happening in the country between the, the, the both sides, the right and the left. So talk about that. How did you get into this? How, how What was you know the audition process for this like? Um, and talk about that movie a little bit and the relevance of what's going on today and, and what this film is trying to do. Well, it starts back at the beginning of Jeremy Lanny's uh, career directing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he called me up. I don't know how we first met, to tell you the truth. I think it was Paula, Paula Malcolmson from Deadwood. Uh, she called me and said, when you talk to this guy, he wants to make a short. And I went, yeah, okay. <laughs> and and uh, so I called him and he said, hi, I'm Jeremy Lanny. I want to make this immediately. And he had this, all this energy and he was very positive and everything. And I said, so who are you using for the other actors? Because there was a thing called Women of the West. And he wanted uh, Paula to play this woman of the West, the lead. And he wanted me to play the bad guy who she kills, right? And standing up for her husband. And it's got a surprise ending and everything else. So, uh, I said, who are you using for the other actors? And he said, oh, I'm going to get a bunch of people from, from uh, Glendale College. And I went, really? <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, because they're available and I have a low budget. And I, 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 said, I said, you know what? No, nah, I'm not interested. But uh, if you were to get me to ask a bunch of my friends who are actors to be in it, uh, I could cast it in five minutes for you. And uh, they'd be really good. And you have to pay him money, I said. And uh, and you'd have to pay him more than scale because scale is the lowest common denominator you pay an actor to go to work for a day. It's a, You can't get any lower than that if you're in the union. Right. You have to pay him. I said, and uh, so you got to pay him more than scale. I don't care if it's 50 bucks more. you got to pay him more than scale because scale is an insult. It's like, please be in my movie. I don't have any money. Pour me, pour me, pour me another drink. You know, it's like, 
so I, I said, you can do that. Why don't we not start next week? Why don't you take a few weeks off? And why don't you figure out how you can get some more money? Everybody, a little something, a little more than scale. And then we'll talk. And he went away and he got it. He came back. He said, I got the money. <laughs> now, I don't know where he got the money, but he did. And we did this little short. And it was really great. My people were fantastic. And this is the first time in my life, I think, that I did a movie and everything was everything was 15 minutes, you know, 15 minutes, scene one, 15 minutes, scene two, 15 minutes. Three. It was so organized, you know, because he had to have it organized. He couldn't pay overtime. He couldn't pay anything else. So uh, it was like, bing, 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 bing. It's right. It's like a Swiss clock. You know, we came in and we did everything and he handed us a check right there. Nice. Walking off the set. Now, nobody does that. And uh, I thought, yeah, this is a smart little kid. I like this guy. So he did that short. And then he called up with another short. He said, I got another one. Let's do and, he, and he said, I raised some money. And then he got another one. And then he did another one. And then he did another one. And he said, for all those people you helped me get, I want to do one of you playing Orson Welles because I know you worked with him. And I know as a, as a tribute to Orson, I want to do one called Conjuring Orson and I've written it. It's a funny little thing. And you'd be great as Orson. And, and I, I want to do that. So we did that. And, uh, and he did a couple more shorts. And then he came with this. And he said, that's my first feature. My mom died. My sister and I got uh, the house. Neither of, us, neither of us were going to live there. We split the money. And I'm going to make a movie with my money. <laughs> and he made this movie. And I'm happy to say, I think uh, Saban Productions paid him what the movie cost. I believe so. I'm not sure, but I think so. Which is fantastic. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's like all good things, uh, you know, they say uh, any good, uh, what is that one about the no good turn goes unpunished or something? Right, but right. I don't, I don't believe that. I believe that, you know, uh, good deeds get rewards, you know. You help somebody not because you want a reward. You help somebody because they need help. That's right. You know, and uh, so he got that same gang together for this movie couple of new people, but Stuart Pankin's in it. Stuart, Stuart Pankin is one of my pals. Yep, yep. Uh, we've done many things together. We were on husband and wife in a movie one. <laughs> oh, and my goodness. All right. Hopelessly in June. Yeah, he played my wife. I played Frankie Flowers. <laughs> oh, we're definitely bringing that up with him. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You talk to Stuart, you got to say, so I talked to Frankie Flowers last night. He <laughs> kiss him goodnight. <laughs> Fantastic. So, so where can people see this new one? Where, where, where? When's it going to be available, and when it's, can they watch? Uh, on the thirty-first, I believe it's streaming uh, on uh, uh, VOD, video on demand. Alrighty, fantastic. Uh, it's called Deep uh, in the Forest, and uh, you know it's got a great cast. It's, it should be should be should be kind of fun. Jeremy is a guy who who writes stuff that's uh, a little different. Has many twists in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of them uh, I'd love to tell you about, but uh, they'd kill me if I did. <laughs> right. <laughs> I will say that the, the premise is you guys start to turn on each other, right? Something something along those lines. Is that what you heard? Uh, that's what I've heard. <laughs> not <from> you. <laughs> nope, not from you. <laughs> I, I do a little bit of research, so we'll see. I could be right. I could be Absolutely. wrong. <laughs> I could be too. That, there you go. See, maybe, I like. Maybe it's the 
musical. Exactly. musical. Who knows? That's right. I love it. I love it. Well, listen, man, thank you so much for coming on the show and getting a little crazy with us and talking about the film and your just legendary career because we are filmmakers ourselves and everybody who we put out this podcast for is aspiring filmmakers trying to break into the entertainment industry. So they are definitely going to be taking some notes when they listen to this interview. Oh, for so sure. Your, really your advice it. in those stories is just classic. What do you want, my home phone? <laughs> I mean, I mean, anytime. Only anytime. if you'll meet them in front of the gate at Paramount. <laughs> exactly. For all you filmmakers out there, my number in Hollywood is... <laughs> oh, there he goes. There he goes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Listen, listen, by the way, this has been an absolute joy. You are just fantastic. I knew it was going to be fun, and you did, absolutely did not let us down. And uh, open invite. Anytime you want to come back on to pitch anything, or hell, even if I'll you just want to. I'm very busy, man. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, listen, take care. Enjoy the rest of the evening. And, of course, we're going to send everybody that way to watch the film. And uh, best of luck and continued success, my friend. And uh, thanks so yeah, much, man. They have a celebrity golf tournament in Charlotte. I might be there. Oh, oh. oh, well, you'll have to let us know. Keep in touch. Tell Charles has let us know. We'd definitely like to meet up with you and say hello, man. Absolutely. All right. Well, take care. Thanks, guys. Have See a good night. Figure out how to leave you. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, you hit that one, and then you hit uh, that one, and then. And that one. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. Man, oh, man, that guy was absolutely hilarious and a legend at the same time. Oh, yeah, and it's so funny because as he's telling stories, which are just great, fun stories, the advice that he's dropping, yeah. like how to shift the room and you have the power in the room as exactly. opposed to the other that was brilliant advice it was, i man. mean so yeah sometimes that's just it listen to what people who have been around have to say take what they have learn from them and go and yeah. I, I just it's brilliant yeah for sure for sure thank you again peter jason for coming on the show all right, oh Woo! man, oh man. <laughs> so the real question is, guys, everybody out there, who did you admire when you grew up mm. or when you were growing up? Was there somebody that you just loved all their content or loved what they were doing? But So we're going to tell you ours. This week, it's top five childhood idols. Yeah. For me, it was strictly off of content. I had no idea what they were like. Um, so yeah, it's strictly off of content that I could relate to. To be honest, so yeah, me too. Kind of, kind of along those same lines. Things that, like, as a child and growing up, you people that you wanted to emulate and or have success as these people did, and pertaining to things that you do. So that's that's how I kind of approach oh, it. Oh, for sure, for sure. Well, number five for me goes to Eminem. I feel like this, especially for my generation growing up and trying to become who they are, they weren't afraid to speak out because someone like this who looked like them was speaking out so I I don't unapologetically, mm. <laughs> I guess you could say. Mm. Um I something about it, it just gave you inner strength to be able to say no fuck you, I'm not going to do that because I don't believe that it's right. And uh, definitely helps with a lot of anger, I would say, because, you know, I, he feels a lot of anger about family members and different situations and different politicians. Um, so it was very relatable in a sense, especially growing up in a world where you're trying to find your place. And I feel like that's what he was doing in his oh, music sure. career was trying to find his place. So, of course, number five for me, Eminem. There you go. I mean, great choice. Um, number five for me, anybody who's known me for a long time and for all of you who don't, 
don't, but now get to know me. Football was a huge part of my life growing up. It was always something very important to me and my family. And uh, my team, bring on the hate. I know it. Haters going to hate. Dallas Cowboys. Well, my number five, Drew Pearson, the legendary number 88, Drew Pearson. Receiving was my gig. I was a receiver. I loved receivers. And this guy was the guy I desperately wanted to be. Drew Pearson, if you don't know, was on the receiving end of the Hail Mary, him and Roger Staubach, that's where the term came from. That was the first Hail Mary pass. And uh, Drew Pearson made a shit ton of incredible catches over his career. And I wanted to catch just like him. <laughs> so uh, Drew Pearson, number five for me. An amazing, amazing wide receiver. An amazing Dallas Cowboy. Um, apparently a very good businessman. And just all kinds of reasons to idolize this guy. I mean, come on. For sure, for sure. Well, number four for me, Gus, goes back to music and growing up and, uh, of course, like like I said, for my number five pick, trying to figure out who you are. Uh, number four is Dave Grohl. I chose him because while growing up, obviously getting hardcore into that grunge music scene and then figuring out Foo Fighters and all mm. those different things. But he's kind of a prime example of someone who doesn't give up even though a bad situation has presented itself in your life. Um, obviously with the death of Kurt Cobain and then now with the death of Taylor Hawkins, uh, the drummer of Foo Fighters and the lead singer of Nirvana. Obviously Dave Grohl is involved or was involved with both of those bands and he just continues to keep moving forward and keep that positive outlook on life and he's such a good guy yeah i mean you see these videos and these tiktoks of him bringing people up on stage having them sing with them having them play guitar and i mean he gives a lot back he does a lot of charitable work and does a lot of things for his kids and other kids out there so i think that was a big thing for me growing up to see even with all the success especially like when i'm starting to think that i want to get in the entertainment industry even with all of his success he's still a down-to-earth humble person and i think he's probably one of the first people that i've noticed that with that i did notice that with when i was trying to figure out what i wanted to do so number four dave grohl is just an overall good human being there you go good choice good choice my number four unfortunately we just recently lost in my opinion the single most iconic comic book artist of all time honestly i'm talking of course about mr george perez um you guys know i draw i sketch uh, i do a lot of bonk and and the different things and early on in my childhood i really thought Maybe that's what I want to do with my life. Maybe I want to draw comic books. I want to be an artist. And this guy was hugely inspiring to me. Um, his work on so many legendary storylines and comic books on Marvel and DC side, Crisis on Infinite Earths and an incredible Avengers run and just so many things. And his... Um, just his his need for detail and everything that he did was just beyond inspiring and that was the guy that I really wanted to emulate as an artist I just felt like um he was amazing and I had the opportunity to meet him as I as I told you about on, a, on another show and um even more so inspired to want to continue my art and to continue to draw and uh yeah I mean it was just somebody I always had kind of looked up to and I just um really revitalized me uh to want to draw again even all all these years later as an adult. Um, so it's definitely a guy that, that, that was important to me and my childhood. And, um, so sorry to 
you know, that he passed because it was definitely a huge loss, man. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, for me, my number three goes to the one and only, obviously one of my all-time favorite actors, favorite living actor as we speak, Leonardo DiCaprio. This man's, like, resume is, like, endless with fucking box office hits, critically acclaimed hits. I mean, he's just great philanthropy work and does great things for the environment and like global warming and all these different things, environmental change. Like he just seems like the definition of someone who grew up in the industry, but didn't let the industry Mm, phase him. That's good. You know, like, I mean, you see all of these people who were child actors and who did grow up in the entertainment industry with all this success that completely change or get into drugs or all these different things i mean of course his friend and person that we lost river phoenix who got into drugs and like literally died um so it's just amazing to see his work that he did what he continues to do and what he continues to do for the community for society in general and for the planet so i mean now and when i was younger he is just someone to look up to in the entertainment industry he has a voice he has a platform and he's putting his funds sources and money and all that good stuff into good places and puts it to good use so i think that's why he's a huge monumental person in my life definitely on the um mount rushmore of idols as you could say (laughs) so yeah number three for me leonardo dicaprio yes nice my number three if you guys know anything about me you've heard me say time and time again that the reason i'm a filmmaker the film that inspired me to become a filmmaker superman the movie well Obviously, this makes total sense that my number three is the man himself, Superman, Christopher Reeve. Um, In my opinion, still the single greatest superhero performance ever. It's the one that they all live up to. They all one that they all try to aspire to be and deliver upon. Feige even makes the people watch this movie before they make Marvel movies. Um, In my opinion, just the epitome of... Uh, the performance of what a superhero should be. He absolutely nailed the iconic superhero, you know, performance, but also the mild-mannered reporter of just a goofy guy trying to live life and fit in into a world where he doesn't quite fit in. And I think that was extremely inspiring to a lot of people who felt out of place growing up. Maybe they were strange. Maybe they felt like they didn't belong. And to see this guy who also felt that way be a superhero and inspire all these children to, you know, say it's okay to be different. It's okay to not fit in. You're still super, if you will. Um, that was very inspiring to me as a child as well, to let you know that, Hey, no matter what you think, what you do or how you are, you're okay and can be a super person in this society that we live in. Um, and then continue that work well on, you know, um, in, in many different roles, in many different ways. Like you said, he had a platform and used it, um, very responsibly and after his tragic accident and was paralyzed of course continued to show in that same vein as you said to never give up fought all the way valiantly to the end to find a cure for it and um his logo moved forward after that happened i have that hanging with me on my keychain and have ever since um it's a great way to live it's a reminder that no matter what bad happens to you you have to keep moving forward you have to keep living life that's what christopher reeve did and the reason he's my number three on the people that i idolized when i was a kid oh for sure man for sure well as i'm sure all of you have realized that music has impacted me a lot growing up a fun fact i actually wanted to get into the music industry before the film and television 
television industry. But now we're just going to get into it all. Um, <laughs> That's but right. Number two for me goes to Kurt Cobain, uh, especially Nirvana was introduced to me at a very vital time in the sense to where anxiety was starting to form and depression was starting to form and he basically made it okay for you to tell your story, to mm-hmm. talk about mental health and mental illness. And it's okay to not be okay. Like we talk about all the time and to put that in different creative forms to put product out there in the world that could help other people. That's what our film Deadlines is all about. The mental struggles that everyday society has and that you deal with every single day, but it's okay to talk about and we need to have conversations before getting to a deadly point because sometimes that does happen, sadly. But that's why number two for me is Kurt Cobain because he made it okay for me to not be okay. So Can't beat that. Nope. I mean, that's the way to do it. Um, My number two after I was inspired by said film and said man of my number three, and I knew what I wanted to do with my future, there was really only one man who I idolized and wanted to emulate. Now, you hear us talk about Bob Iger a lot, but there was a guy before him, Michael Eisner, who ran Disney with uh, Frank Weller. And guys, it, it, he, he saved Disney. There would be no Disney if not for Michael Eisner. He was the epitome of a guy who knew how to save the studio. He thought outside the box. He he was, it's just, he did everything. He took chances. He, he was the reason that I think that you have to be that way. You have to take risks. You have to be an adventurer. You have to be willing to do things that people don't want you to do in order to succeed. And Michael Eisner proved that time and time again and literally saved Disney from, from death and being taken over and, and sold off. I mean, can you even imagine a world without Disney? Mm. Well, Michael Eisner couldn't either and saved it. And so as, some, as a young man looking, going, okay, now this is the career I want to do, what better person to want to emulate and say, hey, that's the way to do it. You got to be creative. You got to be bold. You got to think outside the box. You got to take risks. And if you do all that, you're going to be hugely successful. And um, Michael Eisner proved that. Even when people didn't believe in him, because after his long tenure um, and after Frank Wells died, people started losing faith in him, and he didn't. He never did. He assured Bob Iger that the things he had set in place would be okay and would work if he continued them. Iger obviously did and then fouled that format of being a risk taker and doing things outside the box and being creative, and we all know the history. I mean, now it's the biggest conglomerate in the world, and everybody wants to be the house of mouse. And um, again, if not for Michael Eisner, would not exist. And so everything I try to do with the business and fashion after is after Eisner and Iger and how they do it. Um, And then with my own spin and Logan's spin, because that's what we do. We can't be just like them, but he was definitely somebody I idolized on the business side of things coming up. So Michael Eisner, well done. For sure, for sure. And I mean, for my number one, going back and thinking about childhood, childhood memories and all of these different things. Um, I was super big into wrestling. WWE was like nonstop. I knew every single days that it would come on TV and what times, <laughs> and I was going to bed watching it. Um, probably shouldn't have stayed up that late watching it, but you know, it is what it is. Watch a lot of pay-per-views, bought the pay-per-views afterwards. <laughs> um, and my number one goes to the People's Champ after 
the rock and that is john cena of yeah. course you guys know you guys know how much like i appreciate this man now in the entertainment industry and everything he's doing with peacemaker and obviously suicide squad and just doing all these other things because he's actually a really good actor um but i mean he just he knew how to control a whole arena he knew how to can do so many things with the the people he knew how to get them on his side and um the confidence that he had that really came at a pivotal role i was talking about kurt cobain with okay with not being okay but kurt john cena made it okay with being able to put that confidence forth and to move forward even with when times are tough and times are you know when you're down on yourself but to have that confidence and to continue moving forward and continue getting back up, I think that's what really helped me as a kid going through. So John Cena is my number one, dressed up as him for Halloween. I'm sure you guys know that by now. For sure. Now, now, were you on the back end of WWF into WWE, no. or were you just always WWE? Always WWE. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Um, my number one... Um, I mean, anybody who knows me knows that this is probably my number one, and there was no, you know, other choice for me. Um, tragically, wasn't around very long, taken way too soon at 19. But uh, my idol, still to this day, was my childhood idol, even though this is odd because he's my younger brother. Um, but uh, yeah, my younger brother Joe was my idol then, is my idol now, is the person I always aspire to be. Um, Always lived life with a smile on his face and always lived to the best. Like every day was going to be his last. Didn't waste a moment and um, went out of his way to be a good person to everybody he met and to do things for them and to inspire them to live their best lives. And uh, can't think of a better person to be an idol. And um, I try every day to live up to that and do the same thing. And I miss him desperately, but um, I try to, you know, stay going forward and living the best life like he would want and he's my number one idol and uh there it is joe there it is we want to know who is your number one childhood idol be sure to comment in the youtube section be sure to add us on twitter because we love the fan interaction and of course of course direct message us on instagram but now it is time for the box office recap, and it might be the last week for Doctor Strange to reign at number one. <laughs> of course it is. Of course. Uh, but it did come in at number one with $32.3 million. Number two was Downtown Abbey when the new era with $16 million. Number three was The Bad Guys with $6.1 million. Number four was Sonic the Hedgehog 2 with 4.1 million. And number five was Men with 3.3. Now, of course, new movies you can go see this week are Top Gun Maverick, uh, Bob's Burgers, which, I mean, is going to do way better than expected. Yeah, coming in number three, it's looking like so. I mean, I'm currently surprised by that. I was expecting like 5 million for that, but it might even get 10 or up to 15. Yeah. So, but obviously, Top Gun is going to take number one. Uh, Julia Watcher and Dashcam are coming out in later times. So whatever those are, (laughs) um, check those out, I guess. Good luck seeing those. Movies you can still go see right now. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Firestarter, Fantastic Beast, The Secrets of Dumbledore, uh, and The Lost City, and The Northmen. 
Now heading over to IMDb Pro's top trending segment. Of course, number one film this week is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I'm sure that will change to Top Gun next week. Uh, the top trending show right now is The Lincoln Lawyer. Yes. Just dropped on Netflix. Oh my gosh, I'm watching this one. So good so far. I'm absolutely loving it. Check that out if you haven't yet. Can we just do number two instead? Yeah, right. <laughs> no, right. Number one is still Amber Heard, but number two is Tatiana Mashalani. Uh, so be sure to check Check that one out. I'm so super pumped about Oh, that. yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Well, thank you guys for getting crazy on episode 196 of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. We got to thank our guest, Peter Jason, one more time for coming yeah. on the show. He does have an Instagram, but be sure to follow that. That's right. Be sure to follow the company and podcast on social media, at Crazy Ant Media, <laughs> on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter, and at ItCaf Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You guys yes. know you can follow us both personally on social media. Myself at JLo Fantastic and at Crazy Ant Guy nineteen seventy and, and Peanut the Puppy and Peanut the Puppy twenty. <laughs> Be sure to uh, subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast: Anchor, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Stitcher, and so much more. And you guys know you can watch the video on YouTube. Be sure yes. to hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and ring the bell for all the latest and greatest notifications coming out of Crazy Ant Media. Obviously, with the film dropping, be sure to go to Vimeo and check it out so you can see our critically acclaimed success. Yes, <laughs> and start the conversation. Exactly. That's what it's all about. Be sure to visit the website, www.crazyantmedia.com. You can find the deadlines page, and you can check out our merchandise and rock all the latest and greatest crazy AMD gear. For sure. There's a lot of good stuff going down in Hollywood, to be honest. Of course, of course, all the Star Wars stuff, jonesing over it. I'm so <laughs> upset this is a limited series. Hopefully it's like Moon Knight, though, and completely changes that around. I just don't understand. If it's only six episodes, why would you drop two right away? Right. Like, I mean, I mean it, 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 it's, it's painful. It's epic, though, and it's so it's shot so beautifully. Visually, it it's stunning. And guys, trust me, little Leia is the star of the she show. She really is. She's epic, man. I, like, I can't get enough. Like, so fucking good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. But I'm really excited about the Emily Blunt stuff. That's really exciting. The um, one that's possibly being shopped out at Cannes. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, that sounds very, very interesting. And then... Fuck Zasloft and fuck Chappic, obviously, for going after the creators. I think that's so fucking annoying, even though, like, I understand, but you can't rush a creative process because that's how you get Firestarter, and it just sucks. So Yeah, absolutely. I'm right there with you. All of the superhero stuff, Marvel, obviously, the DC stuff, uh, you know, and, and all the Star Wars stuff, clearly. Uh, love talking about that each and every week because I'm a huge geek. Uh, and, and, you know, um, on top of that, stranger things and just like so much great stuff happening um you, you know it, it's amazing um sad about the good the good fight but mm -hmm. uh you know <laughs> every good thing must come to an end at some point so it's okay it's all right uh and i'm right there with you i mean i it's the problem that we have is when all these giant mergers happen and you start to get these big egos about these huge companies that you run Sometimes you do stupid shit. I'm hoping that these guys can straighten that out and uh, not keep making stupid shit decisions, but uh, we shall see. We <laughs> shall see. And of course, we got to thank the one, the only, Oprah! Oprah!